0: Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You're tuning into an episode of the Redefining Society Podcast, hosted by Marco Ciappelli. Let's face it, the future is now. We live in a hybrid analog digital society, and we must stop ignoring it or pretending that technology is not affecting us. The line between the physical and virtual worlds has become a figment of our imagination. On it, we are continually performing a dangerous balancing act juggling convenience, privacy, freedom, security, technology, society, culture, and even the future of humanity. There is no better place than here, and no better time than now, to muse on our relationship with technology, and how to redefine what society means in this new age.
1: Black Cloak to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com
2: Hello, oh, this is Marco Ciappelli, or is it? Because uh, the little, there's a lot of weird stuff going on uh, lately, uh, and by weird I mean artificial intelligence. So we don't know what is true anymore, we don't know if my voice is my voice, we don't know if me is me or my evil twin, which uh, we had a good uh, good episode with Sean the, the other day. But what I do know is that this is Redefining Society podcast, and because I got lazier and lazier in looking for guests, um, I have started a few series of returning guests. And in this case, I consider guests myself. I'm just saying this because I'm the kind of like the one in charge of this uh, particular channel, Redefining Society. And what is Redefining Society nowadays more than artificial intelligence. We all talk about it and uh, some are more worried than others. And uh, probably the ones that are no worried are not paying attention. So we're <laughs> going in this series with my really good friend that I'm gonna let them introduce themselves very shortly. Uh, we're going to choose a particular topic still related to artificial intelligence or some kind of advanced technology because we're kind of all kind of into this and, uh, and the effect that it's having or had or will have on our society. And we have a common thread that is that we need to look at the history and in this way we can understand probably better the future. So we call this series Once Upon a Time Tomorrow. And yeah, it sounds weird because we're kind of weird. And so here we go. A uh, round of introduction for all the weird, interesting people that I'm very, very happy to call friends and have this conversation with. Uh, Sean, Rafael, and Kerry, um, who wants to start first with a little introduction?
3: I think Raf does.
2: Yeah. Raf's Ralph, going first.
4: Hi, I'm a um, game and... Uh... Uh, XR developer, um, uh, technologist who, who follows you know, games, 3D, AI, XR, cloud, and uh, constantly um, curious about how we can evolve and grow technology. Um, so I'll leave it at that. Kerry? Hi,
5: I'm Kerry D'Souza. I am uh, I'm a permanent lifelong learner, a technologist. Um, always looking for interesting ways to use technology to innovate and build products that um, seemingly enhance our lives or or make it worse. I don't know what one of the things we'll discuss in this podcast, I suppose.
3: And I'm Sean. I surround surround myself with people who are way smarter than me. (laughs) I have a little bit of sounding uh, smart just by rubbing off. Uh, I I typically look more at... uh, Cybersecurity. I, I look at things like a program, so getting from A to A to Z. So everything looks like a project and is full of risk in my mind. So that's how I how I'm gonna approach this series. I'm sure as well.
2: There is definitely risk. Uh, there's no questions about that. But also there is a lot of art. There is a lot of excitement, a lot of creativity, and a lot of thing to be curious of. And that's one thing I'm very happy. Each one of you, it's extremely curious, and I think we're gonna be very fair kind of looking at problems from different perspectives. So don't, don't hold us uh, accountable for maybe if we cross it seems like we're crossing the line. We're really trying to be objective here. Uh, we've been told in the past, other times we got together that we kind of go all over the places. So <laughs> we decided this time to pick a topic still related to AI, technology, arts and, and society. And, and work around that. And we, we thought that um, talking about the use of AI in um, movies and TV with all the strikes going on with the actors and the writers, which at this point has been going for a while, it arise really, you know, really good concern. And it has a lot of parallel with what happened in the past. So we can start it with uh, what we were talking before and, uh, and I think Carrie had some points about a few things that happened in the past that kind of help us to maybe pick into the future. So what was once upon a time in your head that could represent tomorrow?
5: Well, I think I think um, just like every, every technological or any sort of advance that we've seen in the past has always put. The existing state of technology or industry in a, in a bit of a loggerhead with the new technology, and I think we saw that with. I'm um, using very loose discussion. We saw that with very early on with the the automobile industry displacing the whole horse carriages. Much later on, we saw the whole typewriter being kicked out by the word processors, um, and, and then. Uh, and then you saw that again in very recent times with the music industry, where you, you had the record record execs basically ignoring um, what what was happening to the music industry. But even even and there was an intermediate period. The the artists, I mean, there were a whole bunch of artists who were absolutely phenomenal. You, you had bands, you had five man bands, uh, and then you had uh, you had a DJ who was mixing stuff and producing records on a laptop. So. You did it, did it, uh, I mean, honestly, on no, honestly, I mean, all of these were disruptive technologies and they are disruptive for a reason. They, they challenge our thinking, they challenge our way of, uh way of doing things. Um, and for me, it is always a question of, um, are these things tools or replacements? And I think that's, that's, and, and given where we are currently and given how, you um, how the whole uh, specifically the entertainment industry right now is at a a bit of a loggerhead with the whole ai and the concern is unregulated ai is going to potentially eat them out of livelihood and and jobs and stuff and do we want to look at it that way is it really going to do that or is it going to force us to be more creative and then use it as a tool um, and maybe redefine our skills and th- I think that's a question I would love to ask the three of you, and, and see what what do you guys think.
3: Well, I'm going to go quickly because you you mentioned the the typewriter, and I guess the the point I'll make is new doesn't necessarily mean replace, in my opinion. Even if it even if it's a tool that that makes it way better than 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 what it's replacing, there there's still horses. Of course, we're not going to not going to. And we lost Gary. We, we just replaced. We replaced him with a blank spot. <laughs> we, we replaced Raf already. Yeah, Raf's We don't need him anymore.
2: That's right. AI, bring the AI on. <laughs> I'm
3: gonna I'm gonna guess uh, the the leave studio button was pressed over the uh, studio <laughs> button. Uh, I'll, I'll keep going and hopefully hopefully uh, Raf will join us again. Yeah. But the the point I'm making is that new technology doesn't necessarily mean that old technology goes away or that I know we're going to talk a lot about, uh, jobs as well. Um, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to the the typewriter because what I've seen, I actually sent Marco a picture of this, uh, it's probably four or five months ago in front of the, uh, in front of the Met museum, there was a a guy sitting on the ground
2: Mm.
3: with a typewriter writing custom poems on the fly and uh he wasn't using a computer and who knows I, I didn't i didn't see a phone anywhere so i don't think he was using anything to, to create the the stories in his in his head so he was actually writing on a piece of paper and people would pay him to do that the reason i bring that up is one it's interesting but two just last week i saw not him but two ladies with two of their own typewriters <laughs> Doing the same thing, and so I don't know. I don't know if they're using technology in addition to the typewriter. I should, I'm gonna have to stop and ask him next time I see him. But the point is, that they're using an old tool to create something that people. I don't know how many young people have, n- have ever seen a typewriter, right? But certainly, folks who are nostalgic uh, might might want a story about their visit to New York and the Met and. And from somebody else's perspective, written on the typewriter, which is know, perhaps cool and nostalgic, which goes back to a thing that I've said for many years that uh, I often think that even though as new technologies come along, we'll we'll hold a place in our heart for the old stuff. So, I think I don't know how many of us watch silent movies, but <laughs> to kind of bring it back to the to the movies, there aren't I'm many, sure that so. I've actually been to a concert where. Uh, a, con, uh, a group of uh, players in orchestra played to a silent film this was a couple of years ago and it was really really cool so there's another point I mean, there the was old, games I was thinking... yeah
5: I don't remember games where you would have a silent scene and then the actors would sort of depict um, the dialogues and conversation so that's kind of fun but I think I think the the point you, you're absolutely right um, Sean that it does not replace it um, it, for lack of a better, it repurposes it or it, it makes us rethink how we are going to use the older technologies in conjunction with the new new tech. And again, going with the typewriter, I was in San Francisco recently at a bookstore and one of the highlights was there were three typewriters and they would give you free papers and you you could buy a postcard and you could type out the postcard. They would mail it for free. So you, you could send a hand-typed postcard to somewhere... Um, from that bookstore. It's a great publicity. And it's, it's. Uh, well, I I I did learn how to type on a typewriter. So for me, it brings back old memories. But it's also nice to get a handwritten note or a typed out note, um, which you know that somebody's actually taken time to sit down and type it. Uh, so there's always going to be place for that. I think the concern perhaps is is it going to take our majority of the way we do things and make that more of a niche thing? And so, uh, again, going back to the acting and the music stuff, would then um, an actor become just more of a novelty situation versus still mainline, but now he's using AI. So I think that's what the And, uh, and I think there's a deeper discussion. And Raph pointed this out a little earlier about owning personal data and um and who owns it and how it's used. And I've got my own concerns about that in terms of what the output of that is going to be. So um, again, Raf, you want to elaborate on, on, on that and talk about what you think, um, where the concerns, I mean, you've been talking to people in the industry, so where do you think the concerns are coming from?
4: Yeah. Um, well, so I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but I actually want to start by just, um, by getting back to to something core that you guys are saying, which is, the notion of extending or replacing. Um, does a tool extend um, the creators? Does it allow them to create more content faster or in a different way? Does it replace them? Um, I think that, that it's, an, it's an important distinction um, because I think that most, and, and yes, our technology changes the production and the mediums, new mediums come into existence, but it's really important that we understand or even make a conscious decision when we want to extend and when we want to replace. Um, And and part of that is is because when we are extending, there is an assumption that there is still work there. Um, When we are replacing, sometimes it means that work is being dropped in um, and the performers or the creators may not be able to engage they're being re- replaced by something but that something may not have the same level of engagement that they do um, and and I, I want to just throw a, a really quick quote at you guys this is uh, from Isaac Asimov um, and you know Isaac Asimov is famous for writing every day he wrote books texts he wrote constantly and and one of his quotes is um, Writing to me is simply thinking through my fingers, um, and and the important thing to think about in the context of that is that um, writing, in particular, like when we're thinking about.
2: He, he has an enemy.
5: Yeah, well, I mean, you don't talk against AI. I mean, it's gonna, it's there. It is watching yep. us. Yeah,
3: <laughs> he's... He's... What I see is a blank screen that we can put whatever we want him saying there right are. there.
2: So for the, for those uh, watching nice. the podcast with nice. your ears, uh, <laughs> it's not that uh, Rafael stop talking and just literally disappear in some void. So I, I think though I I can start taking uh, my my opinion on top of that until it come back and and. I think that the the problem here is that we we need to be concerned about the people that are potentially losing the job and the fact that yeah your the copyright and and owning your own image I think it's it's very important and I think that these people in the industry right now what they're doing is they say well we're not there yet but if we don't take action now we maybe too late, right? So do, while do I think, think do we need to paint that picture for folks,
3: I'm sure a lot of people have heard the news, but do we? Yeah, and
2: actually, when, when yeah, and when Rafa come back, I know he, he knows uh, like a lawyer in the entertainment industry, and he was pointing out a few few things that may be in the in the proposed contract. So overall, and I think Kerry can help me uh, picture in this too is the fact that the writers went on strike uh, pretty much a few months after Chat gpt got really popular and people got so excited about okay. hey raphael uh I got so excited about the fact that mm-hmm. wow it we don't need uh, writers anymore we it's so good in putting one letters after another that it sounds very human and it's very creative and It can do a lot of things and a lot of mediocre writer may lose a job so Obviously, entertainment industry took uh, took these as a as a as a good starting point and uh, and thought million ways to use um, artificial intelligence and maybe save some money. So I don't know. I heard stories about having AI instead of being the tool to polish the job of the of the writers be the initiator of the writing, so that then they can call the writers in and. And clean up what Chat GPT have done, meaning that Chat GPT owns the original concept, which means no residuals and no ownership of, of the piece, which is honestly quite wrong, <laughs> in my opinion.
5: It is, but Chat GPT is any large language model, I mean any LLM is built on prior data. And I think that's where the bone of contention is that it is not GPT or any LLM is not using brand new data. They're using data and and information collected, um, scripts and movies and dialogues and using that as a reference point. So, and I think you're you're right in pointing that out, that the the biggest concern um, is that if I'm an actor, if I'm a writer, if I'm a voice actor, do I, every time ChatGPT uses my reference and produces a script,
2: do I then get...
5: A a cut off that or do I get and I think it it rightfully do that but I think that the problem is that in an LLM you have no idea when and where it has referenced it and so it it just becomes super murky true
2: but but we also we personally even when we write our own we have reference in our mind everybody has bias everybody has prior knowledge so I think we're going you know, we, we, we should go deep mm-hmm. into into this, but to, to finish the, the big picture yeah. here is that as you can use that for the writer, and maybe it, maybe it's not as good right now, but the point is, what if become becomes so good in two, three, four, five, ten years from now and we don't have a contract that protects us? So I, I give them that. Also, just to add the actors, right. for example, is... The fact that and they are already kind of doing it, to be honest, I, I heard on certain movies doing it to have background actors that some of them, they make a living being background actors or uh, playing the waiter in a scene or the second policeman in a scene. They they can go for one day instead of every day. They can get scanned, and then they'll reproduce the scan image of their body time they want in any movie they want changing all the costumes that they're wearing or through AI and they never get a dime apart from that one day that they work. So <laughs> I think we're looking at two very large extreme here that right. are.
4: But let see, I, I think that we can actually bring it back to something. And, and this is like, there's a, human process of creation, whether we're talking about writing or acting, but there's a human process that is more complex than what we can currently encompass in these AI libraries that were mostly, you know, being frankly, being frank, they were scraped from largely English-speaking content. Um, they represent a very, actually, narrow slice of n- human knowledge, um, they represent things that were taken mostly from the web, and they don't actually reflect a lot of corporate or entertainment knowledge that is still largely in um, local or cloud repositories that is not on the web. But they also don't—they don't reflect non-English speaking content that much. It's very heavily a particular chunk, and it runs the risk of saying these are. Even if we go, hey, we like these stories that ChatGPT is coming up with, it is stories that are coming from a largely English-speaking content audience regurgitated back to them. And it's kind of, you know, it's basically like, how many times do you want to re-chew this food? It's a a small subsection and it doesn't reflect when you go, hey, we've got an interesting grouping new because the libraries that we are pulling from cannot reflect all the things that people could have read or could have experienced. And they also don't reflect when an actor goes on stage and they go, I'm just going to do this thing and they come up with something new. There's still so a lot of if I can't do.
3: I can. Let me ask you this. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's with ChatGPT, which is a public user interface driven uh, set of data. That, but what about when... The studio takes their massive library of, of videos and music and if they own plays or whatever it is, all this stuff, they, they transcribe it into, into text in multiple languages um, and they match that with, with customer feedback and other information that they have within the company. So now it becomes private, but it's still presumably stuff that now they own the rights to. And then they say, I want a young Frankenstein mixed with Johnny Dangerously set in the year 2029. And that large language model that's (laughs) built on GPT-4 is using their data and creates something different.
4: They don't need a writer for that. (laughs) Yeah. And, And see, the thing is the the thing is that they're still going to get better results if they go to say, uh, Melbourne.
5: Raph, I think I think yeah, I think Raph needs uh, Raph needs to make his peace with <laughs> what AI technology he's using. Um, we'll take um, over. Uh, but uh, to your um, to your point, Sean, I mean that yes, you, you're. Chat I mean, you look at Chat GPT four, you look at Chat GPT. There, any large language model, and for that matter, even if you look, at, I mean, if you look at the the uh, the synthesizer, or the uh, the keyboards, which has got a library of sounds that it mixes and produces, very similar. But the, at the end of it, I, I think it is still a tool, right? I mean, if I if I could have, uh, if I could, uh, again, I'm going to digress very slightly here. If I could. I love, I love eating a steak. And if I could basically have prime Wagyu steak every single day produced consistently, I'll get bored of it within a week. I can guarantee you that. And I think that's probably what's going to happen with, and no matter how many different versions of marinades you create, it is still, the core of it is still steak. And there is a chance that that's going to happen with, with LLMs because they can only use past, past data to produce something based on the past there is no new innovative thinking or no new ideas being pumped into that. And that's where I think that's where I defer slightly in a saying that in a sense that, okay, maybe instead of looking at this as a threat, we look at this as, okay, I've got these brilliant ideas. And this actually helps me take those ideas and put them at the same time. You want to be able to protect that. So, so it, it, I think that's where i that's that's where the line gets fuzzy, okay, you've got brilliant ideas you can use g p d four but once you use it does it then become public domain and if it becomes public domain then what happens to your your specific brand of acting or writing
4: or whatever skills you might um, well well look look at look at the examples of of um deaging of actors um it's never about replacing the actor in of Indiana Jones, e- even bad examples of this, like Will Smith and Gemini Man, which is terrible, deep in the uncanny valley. But even in that, if you removed Will Smith from the equation and, and you just said, it's just a synthetic process, then you don't have a actor bringing unpredictable things to the performance. The, the human is something that we don't know how to replace and the AI can help assist that. But if you remove the human from it, it it makes the thing worse. It, you know, like it, it makes it, instead of it becoming, you know, Harrison Ford there, you get things like the the AI-generated Seinfeld uh, thing that was up for a bit, where it, it was a, a Seinfeld, quote-unquote, and it was like watching paint dry because it was just... They fed in, you know, all the episodes of Seinfeld, and then said, "Make a thing like this with off-brand characters," and it's boring.
2: <laughs> so, so here's here's one thing, and and then I, I want to also maybe drive this conversation more on the the middle, which is I think the the real problem is how you maintain the rights of people to their own persona, to their own art, to their own voice, and, and all of that. But I want to make a point, which is you know, what you just said, Rafael. I mean, there has been a lot of crap in movies. There has been a lot of really bad TV and people watch it. So it's not at all of a sudden Chat GPT is going to bring us bad stuff. Because <laughs> let's be honest, there is some people love bad stuff. Um, I was going to say I, the audience I, for that there is an audience for that. There's people make a lot of money out of that, which honestly, it could have pretty much been made with not even a chat GPT, but a, a photocopy machine. You know, it's like, oh, this works. Uh, okay, this works, this work. Is that good? Music too. I mean, are you making yeah. something to sell? You're going to campionize everything or you're going to make a, a masterpiece? Uh, there is, unfortunately, f- from my perspective, there is room for all of that, but obviously if yeah. you steal the police and, and, song, you're gonna pay for every breath you take.
4: Yeah, <laughs> well, it, it, of artists will be fine with saying, let AI tools create additional albums that I never made and and charge people for it. And some people will listen to it and, and we'll be fine with that. And others will go, no, I need to actually create the music. But for some people, it, it will just be enough to see the artist's name on the thing that was that was randomly generated
2: yep so, so let, let's go back on the we, movie though two things
5: yeah yes two things very quickly so i think data-driven development has been around for for years and i think we we have i mean every writer reads books every movie exec every game producer plays games looks at movies and says okay this work this piece work. And i think um uh, house of cards the kevin spacey the the Robin Wright, beautiful series made. But if you look at it, if you read about it, they—it was a lot of it was data-driven. Even the opening credit music was data-driven, in terms of they figured out what creates that. So, I think data-driven development has always been there. I think the prop—the thing is that previously, if we use somebody else's data, we had the acknowledgement. We acknowledged them, we gave them the due, whatever the copyright or licensing fee, or whatever, and, and we used it. But I think the fear now is that one, data-driven de- development has been automated at this massive scale. And two, you are not going to po- post the first iteration. You are not going to, b- forget want to, you're not gonna be able to pay the people whose data you've used because it's, it's, it's using such a massive data set. So I think that's where it becomes, um, we, that's where it becomes really challenging. And I'm, I'm all for, if i wrote something and somebody else wants to borrow from it absolutely but i need the credit i need to the acknowledgement uh, and the ownership still stays with me right so you can't you can't borrow something from me and then claim it as your original contact Uh, so that that uh, so that's where i think it becomes that's what i think i feel that what the current Strikes have been all about that, besides that, and the the fear that, okay, if that happens, then that's it. You are just writing one story, and that the rest, all the stories are being... The, the studios or the big, big enterprise companies are going to take over, and they are going to start generating. I mean, there's nothing stopping a private equity firm from buying a whole bunch of movie scripts and saying, all right, we're in the movie business now. Um, so that's one part of it. The second part, which Raf mentioned very... Uh, uh, very nicely was that, I think. Even all four of us love music, love the entertainment, love the book. But I would never go and watch a movie. Uh, I might just do it out of curiosity. But if if somebody tells me, "Hey, this this movie is purely generated by it. yeah, there's no real actor who's acting it. Nothing is real. But it's storyline is great, but nothing is real." I think we as humans want to know that there was a there was a process behind it. There were people who worked on it. There, there's a story. There's a and I think that. That piece is something um, people are missing and maybe the studio execs are missing that. Yeah, can you make a Marvel movie with a whole bunch of stuff? But I want to know that, um, hey, Chris Pratt was, uh, the, the actor was playing Star-Lord and all of that stuff. So you want to know a bit more about their lives outside of the movie and how they what they bring from there into these roles. And is that something we're going to lose with if, if it goes there? And that's where I think, where we we have to start looking at this as a tool. Maybe give Chris Pratt the um, the AI tool and teach him how to how to use it, and maybe he comes up with his own nuanced mm-hmm. stuff, and then he sells it to movie. Yeah, I want to do these five movies, but I can only do one in real time, so I'm going to do bits and pieces, and I'm going to sell you this stuff. So that that potentially could be. I don't know. This is again, we're talking once upon a time tomorrow. Maybe that could be tomorrow, right? <laughs> but, I, just I, lo- I, love
3: the, I love that you went there because when you, when you talked about somebody buying up, venture fund buying up a bunch of scripts and they become a movie company or production company. I'm just thinking back on my own history, given your uh, Chris Pratt example, where I've done multiple jobs, multiple functions to uh, type on a typewriter like Raf is. No, but to to get different experiences and those experiences then shaped the next thing that I do, whatever that might be. And what I can see is where this tool, given it's a tool, uh, can be used by one or multiple people to create something that a single entity couldn't. So crowdsourcing a storyline Right, where everybody's feeding a a single instance of of uh, ChatGPT using the same memory, key, whatever it is, to say this is my input into this story. Here's what I think the the villain should do and be. Here's what the the, the hero should be and and do. Here, here's what their are whatever it is to help describe that. And then it's the production process and the animation process or the, the voice process, whatever all the elements are. I don't know because I'm not in the movie business. But all those could be sourced, crowdsourced by either random people or selected people, or and then presumably they could have a slice of the rights to that if they're contributing. Because I think like, one of the things that I that I really take from because Marco's much more into the, the the prompting than I am with, with Chat GPT, and I think how you describe it, Marco, makes brilliant sense to me. Is it? You're not just asking for something. You're interacting and tailoring and tuning, and you call it art directing, which is the part that I really love. So one or more people coming together to art direct a large language model, I think, could be really powerful.
2: Right? And, you see yep. like you, you're already thinking in a very creative innovative way to use right. this technology. So it's like here is a digital camera. I know you love photography and and here is a film camera. Okay. have fun with it. you're gonna have fun with it you're gonna get creative with one or another knowing what you can do with one what you can do with another and 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 the, the, the prompt uh, Rafael was talking about that, that that with the art director that you were mentioning, when we were preparing for this conversation, how we both agree that in order to use the AI in a correct way or in a very productive way, you need to give the right art direction. I mean, you can have a vision that goes behind just putting letters and words together, just reflecting on what they found. If you give something really unique and cool, I think is going to come out with something unique and cool.
4: I think
5: you've got to well,
4: I see. Think... I was just going to say that that like you guys have kind of got onto something which parts of parts of the industries are starting to realize if you create your own libraries um, and and that could be a fan library, it could be a library of of data captured from an individual like an actor or a musician, but if you, if, you start, if you use the process to create your own library and you say, create from this, then it's much easier to sit down and sort out copyrights and permissions and approval, but it, it also allows you to more concretely go in and go, we know what we're trying to make and we're not going to get random hallucinations or unusual things that don't fit. Um, and so, it, it, yeah, it, it makes more sense to go, hey, Pixar has been around since 1985. If they built out a library of have, you know, they have a source in their depots that has that is not found in the films, but also they have resolution of data that is not in a Blu-ray. They have things that could build out that could allow them to create, but then they could decide where and how and and they can do it without being kind of recursive. and, and uh, But it's it's important to kind of step back and go, think about the libraries to then think about what you want to create, because it's much more interesting to me as a creator to go, okay, um, if Disney wants to go off, you know, as an example and, and go, hey, we want to have a range of, you know, like, hey, let's take Tony Stark uh, and Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark. We're going to take him in the studio. But if we go back to all the footage that we have or if going forward into the future, we we build a mocap library around an actor and maybe we consistently do that and refresh so that we get a snapshot and their body scans every year for a decade or two if they're on board and as long as there's compensation, you can then go, we now, it's not like, oh, we own this actor, but you can reproduce them much better. If they are willing and they are compensated, the amount of data that you can get to, I, I think that there's the Hollywood to create a, cl- a cloud version of an actor that is very much AI assisted or created, but that still needs to be directed by that actor and probably is best, is best served when it becomes like their digital double. You know, when, when it actually becomes a digital twin, which is very much an enterprise term, but you can go, hey, this is the digital Robert Downey Jr. And, you know, or, or for example, you can then go, hey, um, how about we need this actor, but she's pregnant or he's sick, can we get them, can we get their digital version for the next two months of filming? And then they can come in after that. If you can merge back and forth because you have, it's extending again and not replacing.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it's so scary so, uh, to think it this way. I mean, I, I, I don't wanna live in an artificial world. I mean, if, if Arizona Ford is getting old and it's doing five I don't. I, I'm also against rejuvenating his image. Screw it. Well, I think, I think no.
5: rejuvenating has a time and place in story. I mean, if, you're, if you're doing a flashback, if, you want,
2: yes, yeah, but but not but because.
5: Not yes, you, you, you want, want to create... live forever. <laughs> I think we all want to live forever. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but they do remember in, in their, in their but movies. It, but it's, the memories. Uh,
3: it's the digital uh, duplicate that's living forever, not, right? Not the original. You,
5: your deeds remain after you have left. I think that that's the that that's what I'd like to think. But but a couple of things. I mean, one. Uh, I think what Rap mentioned. I think that could be very useful. I mean, if I'm if I'm an actor, if I'm uh, if I'm on a movie which has a hectic schedule and if I get injured, now I can I can basically say, all right. I am still directing my avatar, my digital twin, to do all of these scenes and stuff like that. I still get paid for it. So, and the movie producer production does not stop. So they don't, they don't lose money due to stoppage of work. So everybody sort of wins here. So there is that bit. And then the other bit, which I think is being missed by people, and especially any exec who thinks that they can they can own data and keep producing their stuff. A lot of the acting skills, and a lot of the stuff that happens, and a lot of the actors. Um, the, the personality comes from what happens to them on a day-to-day basis how they live their lives and they bring that into their acting that's going to go away completely right and so you, you are you are not going to bring that um, you are absolutely not going to bring that um, that le- those nuances the the real life nuances and experiences into their acting uh, imagine imagine watching Robert Downey jr, 20 years ago, and versus now, he's a much better actor now. He's, he's a far more refined actor now. If let's say if AI has that um, capability uh, of using all Robert Downey Jr. footage and producing that, we'll just see the old bad version of Robert Downey Jr., right? So, and so that's the case. I mean, I think that is a big piece that people are not getting. That AI is a tool. It's not a replacement. Like Sean also mentioned, it's it. Sh- I don't think it can be a replacement, even for musicians, for writers, because it will never have the real life experience that we bring on a daily basis to whatever we do, whether it's acting. The 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 point of
3: of, of movies and film and TV is to entertain generally through a connection, right? And that connection is something that we, one or many people have experienced and can relate to loss of Absolutely, life yeah. marriage divorce birth of a child uh, winning the lotto whatever it is right so those experiences come through in the writing and the acting and the music score that's underneath it to help pull out those feelings and and i i don't think a lot not probably not in my lifetime that AI is gonna do all of those things
5: really well enough that a But it has to interact from... with, it has to interact with- Right. Uh, I, I don't know, it has to interact with other AIs and develop, it has to get scarred right. and beaten up like we humans do. To... <laughs> well,
4: and, and, and that's the thing is, is like, we, we forget when we've got these predictive models that are mostly going, it asks for this thing the client asks for this next to each other, and these are the most pleasing configurations of words or, 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 or images. That notion of a predictive model replacing intentionality and agency and collaboration in creativity is a bad thing for creativity mm-hmm. because then it starts to get very just, oh, we're going to get the same thing we saw before. Another example I can bring up is... Um, I was reading recently uh, an interview with um, Joaquin Phoenix and Ridley Scott and they were talking about how they were doing Napoleon and in that you know keep in mind like they worked together back on Gladiator Um, so they worked together 20 years ago and they're coming back together Joaquin Phoenix didn't know how to approach his role and basically two weeks before filming he went to Ridley Scott and was like I don't know what to do and so you know Ridley Scott basically said I sat down with him and we went through the script scene by scene we talked it through and we went back and forth there was information that needed to be passed back and forth and you know Joaquin Phoenix basically had like an actor's block like I don't know how to approach this character they talked through the motivation and they talked through what was central to the character and they rewrote parts of the script and, and that's the thing is, is it, that people who are not in creative endeavors, it's often a black box and they just think, oh, just a thing happens, just spit it out. The back and forth in, in a team between, and a director or a writer and a director, between uh, a game team that's building something, a film team, there's an iteration that goes on there and that gets lost. And, and that's why it needs to be an extend, not replace, because you need that creativity that happens in the moment when you're making things. And that does happen every
2: day. Uh, I think it should apply also to the writing, right? Because what what you mentioned, like, so I, I love actually to use uh, the, the chat GPT. And I, I challenge it. Like I have dialogue with it. I, I try weird prompt and see what happened. And i am never happy 100% of whatever speed out to me right I, it's but but i can see a way to carve it around that like it's helping and i i think that as we you know we get into the 45 minutes which is not going to happen we're probably going to talk another 10 easily um, i think we need to agree that this is all about Agree on how people are compensated. This is not about not using AI. This is not about banning AI from movies and, no. and TV. This is this is about we know we're going to use it. I think it's going to be great. It's like, you know, we always refer to music, you know, electric guitar, synthesizer. The, oh, my God. You know, this is the, the devil. We need to use violins. And then you do an electric violins. And people are like, holy shit, that's really cool. But <laughs> we need to agree that this is probably a good thing if we can't harness it. And, and this process yeah. here is about deciding how to compensate the people that are being creative and not try to be greedy and, and try to think that AI can take all the jobs away. It'll take but some, also, but, I, but I think it made us better yeah. or did the job have to change? That's it. I was going to say that.
1: The yeah. jobs that have to
5: change The people that have to learn how to become more relevant And uh, in this, this new age of AI where that could mean, okay, I now I just learn how to become a better prompter and be able to prompt AI to you, take my vision and generate something for me and then sell, sell that, right? So, yeah, I mean, the, the whole point is not to take away livelihoods, let the people continue but at the same time enhance or give them another tool that they can use to continue building all that um while at the same time basically telling studio execs that you you can't really just produce things automatically and expect it's, the audience to love it they might like it once or twice out of curiosity and the novelty value but then it gets boring really quickly um and the other bit i mean the other normal thought i had was like let's say i'm a harrison ford or or a Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Adams, I go to Studio Execs and say, great, you want to use my prior footage to create movies? Have at it? Free for you. Anything new, I'm charging you three times. So <laughs> there you go. So you, you want new experiences? Great. I mean, it, it's sort of, it's got to be a sum, I don't think it'll ever be a zero-sum game, but there's got to be some way of compensating for it, it is data being used and great, it's automating a few things. So you're yeah. benefiting from it. So great do that but anything new
3: but, well, let's um, be real as well i mean yeah if, if somebody tried to make a new blazing saddles <laughs> it's, it's it's not going to go over very well it's right? not i so, mean you're never going so to things don't <laughs> things don't survive either no so so old performances old ways of well, thinking
4: let, and and that's also Well, think of it also in terms of the character versus the actor. Um, So one thing that that, that I find interesting in this is is that like people kind of assume like this actor needs to always play this character. It's like, no, we've had a bunch of different actors that have played Superman. Oftentimes, you know, it's, it's Batman, Michael Keaton Batman. Like the notion of a new actor bringing something different to a character is valuable. Um, we don't need to always see regurgitations of that same actor playing the same performance of that same character and it doesn't matter if it's in superhero movies specifically they often have very defined characters but e- even though the star wars hand solo movie didn't make as much money as disney wanted it to it was nice to I actually, even though I love Hansel and I love Harrison Ford, I kind of like seeing a new younger character rather than like, here let's take Harrison Ford at seventy and DH him and he's still moving like he's seventy, but he's now got a younger face. Like I don't want to see that. I actually like seeing a younger. I think it was Alden. But it, and and you know I read recently that um, Daniel Glover is 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 going is developing a lando calrissian series i love the fact that they're going to bring lando back and i thought that he did a fantastic job in the han solo movie i want to see a new lando a new actor playing that character is
5: yeah i i agree i mean sometimes you want to see some some new um new faces that or sort of a a new take on an existing story, and we've seen reboots, and some reboots work really well. Um, oh. Those coming with a fresh perspective, um, I think reboots that try to just freshen up the acting and, and and keep the storylines exactly the same tend to not do so well. So that, that's the other other bit. Um, but the bottom line is, I think I think AI is here to stay. We've got to figure out how to use it and use it to advantage it's not going to take jobs away it it, if it 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 is a tool we learn how to use it and um, like every tool there'll be people who learned how to use it and benefit from it there'll be people who just decide not to do it and they will have a more challenging time to to find work or continue working i guess
2: So the more we talk about this, and the more stupid the entire topics and the entire issue sounds to me. Like you know, there is an entire industry now that is not working, and you know, it's not just about the writers and the actors. There is an entire industry, Mm -hmm. um, the people that work on stage, the musicians,
0: and and yeah, Yeah.
1: all of these things.
2: Everybody and nobody is caring or giving much of a flying rats about them right now because it's all about the actors and the writers. But but if we think about it, I mean, we know that in within a few weeks, they're going to find an agreement. They're not going to stop the whole industry. Um, I'm wondering if <laughs> uh, the, the movie uh, produ- production company, they are actually owned by AI right now because it, it seems so irrational to even think that AI can do everything and do it even better than the actors. It's like, do they really process this? I mean, all the things we spoke about right now, you know, the the need of human uh, emotions and feelings. And I, uh, I mean, I'm gonna
3: venture a guess that there's a there's a big four uh, consulting firm, and they're talking about their 20 year plan and what they need to do now to prepare for that, and what they will yep. look like then, and how the, how the staffing will change, how the training will change, how the tech will change, how legal will change, yeah. how geopolitical stuff will change. And all that is, they're, they're probably protecting their future by setting things up now. That's my guess. Well,
2: well, and the others need to do the same. They need to protect their future, even if now they're not in danger. They need they need to do it. So, still so, stupid.
5: I'm, I'm going to the whole... Uh, self-driving trucks are coming soon so what happens to all the unions that are moving heavy equipment for the movie industry and they'll they'll be out of business so are we going to go on a strike then too are we going to mm-hmm. learn how to use these trucks too so again the, the point is like any new tool um, we just got to learn how to use it and and see how it serves us versus basically saying nope it, it, this is the end of it well, that's an interesting point carrie because Presumably,
3: the the two groups that we were are talking about now striking have a pretty po-
5: vocal, loud voice. I don't know, powerful. Media covers them more. They're they're more powerful. They're more they're more in the limelight. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that is being automated very slowly. Right. Uh, and nobody so saw it, me- it, it it raises,
3: and I don't think we're going to answer this question now. But to, who has yeah. the power? Who who can turn those levers and knobs? to their benefit over others and which which other groups are going to take the brunt when right. they don't have a voice or we get tired of talking about it. Or, so, or who so, knows you, what.
2: so you go to the supermarket and you don't have an entire cart full. You got, I don't know, a bag full of stuff. I go to the automatic cash register. I don't have, oh, how are you doing today? Um, exchange a couple of words with the, I mean, Trader Joe, they don't give me that option. So I have to tell them how nice is my bag and what am I going to watch tonight for a movie because they must ask me that question. But the point is, nobody is making a big mess, again, as you guys are saying about all the cash register people that have been entertaining and talking to the older folks and, you know, and being part of your daily routine when you when you go to the store, um, what do they do now? I don't know.
5: I mean, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's being automated, and I don't think creativity can be automated.
2: Yeah, uh, I, at least you I, got that.
5: <laughs> I think we 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 can't automate creativity. We can't uh, to an extent where people are consuming it the way we consume it right now. So I, I think the discussion needs to be more of okay, if this is going to happen, how do we what sort of skills are you willing to give us so that we can actually use this to continue working in the industry and maybe that's a better discussion as opposed to do not use ai because i think that's that's a that's a non starter i mean ai is already there in a lot yeah. of stuff so yeah, maybe right. better discussion well, yes teachers already
4: i think i think the tricky thing is is we want to allow new tools to come in but you have to remember that that it's not always either cost effective or farsighted to have um ai replace the lowest tier of things if if it replaces the most junior positions um then you know if if you go hey we're going to replace all of our junior writers with ai how do you get senior writers if they don't start out as juniors because you never trained them um, right. you, th- then you you have a dwindling population of senior writers, and you you've basically um, destroyed your recruiting. <laughs> um, so so there's that, but there's also the notion that if the things, um, and we're seeing this in bits of Silicon Valley, where if you if the things that AI are trying to do are incredibly menial, the likelihood is that the things that are trying to replace it with AI and robotics are being set up because someone's going we should do we should have you know like google for a while had a robotics janitor program and then they eventually realized we'll never make this cheaper than just paying a human to do this Um, there was a there's a a a ai robotics pizza company um in 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 silicon valley that went bankrupt recently and and it was because it's not actually cost effective to have robots making pizza it's still just right easier now. to pay humans to- yeah right.
5: eventually um, <laughs> but, yeah
4: but but yeah. we, I, I we, hope we so. often because i hate we, my we pizza forget how, <laughs> yeah but but, but we, we we forget that um the ai and the robots are not nearly as as advanced as we think that they are um no. it, it's very easy to go oh i'm, I'm hearing about so much in the news, and then there's a lot of hype, and then you sit down, you look at the reality, and you're like, yeah, it's okay. But yeah, you, you go to the grocery store, and you're like, who cares about AI? And everyone's like, eh, I'm, I'm just living life.
5: I think the, I think the growth is also the, the
4: impact in a lot connection. of industries is smaller than we realize.
5: And it's there. It, it's already embedded in our lives, and we've sort of gotten used to it. And I think, I think there is there is, of course, the fear that it's going to be the the development. Cycle and AI is getting exponentially faster and faster, but I think a lot of it is. There's a lot of misinformation about this. A lot of media hype. There is a lot of. Uh, I think. I think you need to look past all the noise and go go down. And even with the entertainment industry striking, we look past all the noise, look at what really is at stake there, um, and then address that. Yeah. I think we'll be. In a, you'll realize that it's not AI that they're worried about. It's basically capitalists. Companies doing what capitalist companies do, maximize profit. I'm not
2: worried about AI. I'm worried about people.
5: Exactly and how so, they
2: use AI. That's yeah. my problem. But I, and
5: so teach them how to use AI. I think at the at the bottom line is like I think every enterprise <laughs> rightfully is trying to maximize profits, and yeah. and they will use every means necessary. And and as a human being, um, you've got skills and you want to be able to use that to earn a livelihood, and so you want to protect that right. And so. And AI mm-hmm. is in between that. So you got to figure out how to use it so that both sides sort of metamorphosize. Time, time, time to market, more releases,
3: faster. Yeah. Right. Which might benefit the yeah. whole industry.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, then, all all right, what I will I mean,
4: say yeah. is let, let me jump in for one second. What I will say is that. We are starting to realize in this process, as the web and social media created, that personal data has value. And, uh, and individual data and collective data has value. Um, yes, I think we will create you know, a variety of libraries, but one thing that may come out of this is a sense of people trying to better understand that they don't have to uh, give their data away um, whether it are just personal, I'm doing stuff and I'm posting it, but finding ways to gather people's data and then negotiate with companies, whether they are creative or tech or otherwise, uh, and, and trying to be a bit more secure about our data um, because we're starting to realize that our data has value and companies want to gather that data, whether it's individualized or aggregate, It is useful for people to connect their data to their identity, to start to understand that they have an identity and a footprint on the internet and to then try to find ways to barter their data, their creativity, their identity out to others. And Hollywood I think is going to push into this a lot of us because there's likely a, price put on that data sooner than for many others, but eventually probably for everybody.
2: Yep. And I think we're going to end on that note and the hope that this is a very important lesson. I mean, having this conversation, like they're happening, um, not only in the tech world, not only in the cybersecurity, not only in the advanced technology company, but seeing how it's applying to everyday job even the most creative of the jobs i think it's really really important to prepare us for uh, has to come and it's gonna be fun i mean it's gonna be pretty crazy and i i think it's gonna be fun every other conversation that we're going to have hopefully Raphael uh, rafael ai is not trying to take you down next time as much as they did <laughs> on this on this episode but uh, still a great conversation and uh I say next time, um, stay tuned because we haven't decided what we will focus on. But um, I'm guessing music. What do you guys think? Uh, any vote?
5: Uh, books, I mean, you name it. I mean, technology, AI, happy to talk about anything.
2: It's yeah. Visible. Any any kind of reference with society will be great. So thank you very much for yeah, joining. We, we, let's,
4: let's do music next.
2: All right. I think it's closely related uh, uh, and- I think going. I think this is a, this is a good crowd to talk about that for sure. So everybody, stay tuned. Uh, I promised 45 minutes it didn't happen. So uh, I hope you, you enjoyed the conversation. I hope you enjoyed the fact that we did our best to stay focused on the topic. I know we went a little off here and there, but that's who we are. Uh, we're having fun and uh, we hope uh, you hope you did too. So stay tuned fine Society podcast once upon a time tomorrow. Notes, uh, links to connect with us on social media will be exactly in the notes. Subscribe. And uh, you know what? If you get in touch with us on social media and you want us to chat about something specific or you have comments on what we spoke about, uh, do so. I mean, we, we want this to be a two-way conversation. And uh, I say... Everybody say bye, and we'll see you next time.
5: See you next time. Pleasure, gentlemen.
2: Take care, everybody.
4: Peace out.
1: Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at... Devo.com BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at BugCrowd.com Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impact of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Society, hosted by Marco Cipelli. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and share the ITSP Magazine podcast network with your friends, family, and colleagues. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.